0: On lesser known aspects of the Beatles' recorded legacy.
1: With Paul McCartney on vocal lead, it's the Beatles! I'm uh-huh. uh-huh.
0: 1962 was set to be a critical year for the Beatles. They had gained a manager in Brian Epstein, who was steering them towards a more professional look and attitude, and, as you just heard, the band made their radio debut for the BBC in March. Although Decca Records had rejected the group based on their New Year's Day audition, Brian Epstein refused to give up on his new group. In February, he had acetate copies of several songs from the Decca audition cut and arranged a meeting with producer George Martin at EMI Records in London. Having listened to the acetate of failed Decker songs, Martin agreed to have the Beatles record at Abbey Road Studios on the 6th of June 1962 as an artist test, to see if it was worth offering them a recording contract. George Martin reflects on his first meeting with the Beatles.
2: It was a test session, it was an audition, but everybody since has said it's the first recording. They went through all their repertoire. They did things like Over the Rainbow and Your uh, Feet's Too Big of Fence Wall and things like that. And they threw in a few of their own, which weren't spectacular. I mean, P.S. I Love You was one of them, but One After 909 and things which weren't very impressive. The best of the bunch was Love Me Do. But that wasn't what turned me on. What turned me on was the guys themselves, because... They had this great charisma and they made me laugh and they made me feel good to be with them. They had that quality. and You get it in many people, well, not many, but enough, where you feel very rewarded by their presence and when they leave you, you feel as though you've lost a little. Now, the Beatles had that and I thought, well, if they've charmed the pants off me, then what, what will they do in front of a big audience? I reckon they're okay. And it was on the strength of that that I gave them a lousy contract, which bound them for five years. Epstein would have taken anything. Cha cha boom!
3: There's <laughs> some me, there's some me, what you Each time I cling to your kiss, I hear music divine. So, there's some me, there's some me, what you One. If you should leave. It's you I adore Yes, oh, dearest one If you should leave me Then each little dream would take wings And my life would be And holding you Never knew this The thrill before Who ever thought I'd be holding you Close to me whispering, It's you I adore Oh, so dearest one If you should leave me Then each little dream Will take wings And my life will be through no, Bessame, Bessame Mucho And I love me forever, make all my dreams come true Oh, love me forever, make all my
0: dreams come true Bessame Mucho from the EMI Artist Test of 6th of June 1962 Another ancient number which the Beatles had as part of their stage repertoire and was originally recorded for their failed Decor audition six months earlier. George Martin was keen to hear what original numbers John, Paul, George and Pete had to offer. Love Me Do was recorded next, and for decades it was presumed that this recording had been lost from the EMI archives. When production of the Beatles Anthology documentary began in 1994, the search for this lost recording began. I went round all the boys and said, have you got any of these
2: acetates of that session? And Judy went in, my wife, went into the, the attic, in fact, and looked for some stuff. She found two acetates. One was a 12-inch, one was a 10-inch. And they, on one was written opera, and the other was written love me do. So I didn't try to play them. I sent love me do back to Abbey Road, and I said, transfer it to digital right away, and let's have a listen to it and it was Pete Best from drums, and it was that original session. I played Ed Ringo, and I knew it it wasn't Ringo's drumming. Ringo said, that's not me, and it wasn't the session musician. So it was definitely Pete Best. And so Pete best got a royalty for the first time in his life.
0: (laughs) you <laughs> The very first recording of Love Me Do from the EMI Artist Test of 6th June 1962, with Pete Best on drums. The shaky vocals and wandering tempo didn't completely deter George Martin that day, and two more original tracks were recorded. P.S. I Love You and Ask Me Why, songs which would eventually comprise the B sides of the Beatles' first two singles. None of the songs from these sessions, however, were officially released until decades later as part of the Beatles anthology project. The recording process was a much simpler affair in 1962. Beatles producer George Martin. Record production as I as I knew it, later was something
2: quite different, because in 62, all you did was you stuck up microphones in the best way you could and got the best sound you could, and they gave a performance. It was like doing a radio show. If the performance was good, you would issue it. There was no degree, pogree, no overdubbing, no editing. But there it was. It was like taking a photograph. Click. OK, that's a good take. Click.
0: That's a better take. And that was it. The Artist Test of the 6th of June had convinced George Martin of several things, namely that none of the songs recorded were strong enough for release and that drummer Pete Best was not suitable for recording with the band. The group took care of the latter by firing Best and replacing him with old friend and drummer with Rory Storm and the Hurricanes, Ringo Starr. The band, which would change the world, was now complete. In terms of finding new material for the group to record, George Martin had a song in mind from writer Mitch Murray.
2: But it was quite normal in those days for, to find material for artists by going to Tin Pan Alley and listening to all the publisher's wares. I mean, that was a regular part of my life. I would spend a long time looking for songs. And the songs I was looking for for The Beatles was really a hit song. It didn't matter, so long as it suited their, their group. And um, Love Me Do, as I say, was the best one they were able to offer. The kind of song I was looking for, I did actually find. And that was a song by Mitch Murray called How Do You Do It? And I was convinced this was a hit song. How do
3: you do what you do to me? I wish I knew.
2: If I knew Not a great piece of uh, songwriting, you know. It wasn't the most marvelous song I'd ever heard in my life, but I think thought it had that essential element which would appeal to a lot of people. And we did record it. Um, John took the lead. George said, well, it's a number one song. You want a number one? This is it. We said, yeah, but we cannot go back up to Liverpool singing that. We cannot be seen with that song. So we'd never issued How Do You Do It, but I did later give it to Jerry and the Pacemakers, and it did become number one. How do you do
3: what you do to me? I wish I knew. If I knew how you do it to me, I'd do it to you. How do you do what you do to me? I'm feeling blue. Wish I knew how you do it to me, but I have the blue. You give me a feeling in my heart, ooh la la, like an arrow passing through it. Oh, that you think you're very small But won't you tell me how do you do it How do you do what you do to me I wish I knew If I knew how you do it to me I'd do it to you You're very smart. But won't you tell me how do you do it? How do you do what you do to me? I wish I knew. Wish I knew how you do it to me. I do it to you. Wish I knew how you do it to me. I do it to you. Wish I knew how you do it to me. I
0: do it to you. How Do You Do It, recorded in a single take at Abbey Road Studios on the 4th of September. A song quietly rejected by the Beatles, hence their lacklustre recording. The song would later be a number one hit for fellow Merseysiders and friendly rivals, Jerry and the Pacemakers.
4: It's a very great pleasure for us this evening to say hello to an up-and-coming Merseyside group, The Beatles. And I know their names, and I'm going to try and put faces to them now. You're John Lennon, aren't you? Yes, that's right. What do you do in the group, John? I play harmonica, rhythm, guitar, and vocal. Mm -hmm. That's what they call it, isn't it? Harmonica, rhythm, guitar, and vocal. Then there's Paul McCartney, that's you. Yeah, that's me, yeah. And what do you do? Play bass, guitar, and uh, sing, (laughs) I think. Oh, that's what they quite apart from being vocal. Well, yes, (laughs) yes. Then there's George Harrison. Mm, how do you do? How do you do? Mm. What What's your job? Uh, lead guitar and sort of singing.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: By playing lead guitar, does that mean you're sort of leader of the group, or are no, you? No, no, just. Well, you see, the other guitars, the rhythm, ting, ting, ting. You, you it's see, solo yeah. guitar. You see, John and is in fact the leader of the group. Yeah. I don't know whether we caught that or not, but uh, I hope it went in. Yeah. And over in the background here, and also in the background of the group making a lot of noise, is Ringo Starr. Hello. You're new to the group, aren't you? Yes, right um, nine weeks now. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you in on the act when the recording was made of London? Yes, do? I'm on the record. You know, you're on <laughs> All the <right>. I <laughs> am. <Yeah. laughs> it's down on record, you know. <laughs>
3: Love me, do. Oh, love me, do.
4: we
0: second recorded version of Love Me Do, this time with Ringo Starr on drums. The song was recorded in 15 takes but still didn't quite come up to scratch in the eyes of George Martin. This rare version was briefly released on a single but was quickly replaced by a third version recorded a week later. In between trips to London to record, the Beatles kept up a hectic schedule of live shows all over the north of England and especially in their hometown of Liverpool. They were pulling bigger and bigger crowds at the Cavern Club, a place where the band also gathered to rehearse new material. First known recordings of an almost polished I Saw Her Standing There, and a Lennon and McCartney instrumental number called Cat's Walk. The Beatles would later abandon this number, but it was given to the Chris Barber Jazz Group in 1967, who renamed it Catcall. Interest in the growing Liverpool music scene, not only in the Beatles but scores of other bands like them, attracted the attention of television producers, eager to share the story with a wider audience. Granada TV set up their cameras in the Cavern Club to film the Beatles live, and the reactions of the fans who crammed into that tiny space to see them play. The decision to dump Pete Best was not a popular one with some fans. Listen carefully at the end of this recording for the opinions of a couple of fans being shared with the group. At
1: this midday session at the Cavern, we proudly present the Beatles.
0: Some other guy, the Beatles, live at the Cavern Club. The group returned to Abbey Road Studios on the 11th of September 1962 to attempt yet more recordings for a debut single. However, when the Beatles arrived, George Martin was nowhere to be seen and a stand-in producer, Ron Richards, was present. Instructions were also given that Ringo was not to drum on any of these tracks and session drummer Andy White had been hired for the day. Poor Ringo had been relegated to percussion in only his second session with the band. P.S. I Love You, which was intended to be the A-side of the first single, but would eventually be the B-side, was the first track cut in a total of 10 takes. Love Me Do was attempted for a third time, and with greater success than previous outings, so much so that once How Do You Do It was rejected as a single, Love Me Do was promoted to the A-side of the Beatles' very first release. Another song was attempted during the session only to be improved upon at a later date.
4: Well now, I'd like to introduce, if I may, a young disc jockey who uh, helps us out with programs at Cleaver and Catterbridge Hospitals. His name is Malcolm Threadgill, he's 16 years old and I'm sure you'd like to ask some questions from the teenage point of view, Malcolm. Yes, thank you. Uh, You composed um, PS I Love You and um, Love Me Do yourself, didn't you? Yeah. Who who, com- who does the composing? Well, between you? it's John and I. We write, you know, sort of the songs between us. Yeah. It's you know we've we sort of signed contracts and things to say that you now we get sort equal of shares. yeah equal yeah. shares and royalties and things so that you know really we just both write most of the stuff. But we've written about over about a hundred songs, but we don't use half of them. You know. We just happened to sort of rearrange Love Me Do and played it to the recording people mm-hmm. and P.S. Love of View. And, uh, Good, You. And they seemed to quite like it, you know, so that's what we recorded. And that was Paul McCartney telling you all about it. <laughs> Is there any more of your own
3: um, compositions you intend to
4: record? I think? Well, we, we did record another song of our own when we were down there, but it wasn't, wasn't finished enough. So, you no, know, we'll take it back next time and see how they like it then. Yeah. Mm. Don't mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: early version of Please Please Me, recorded at Abbey Road Studios on the 11th of September 1962. This song would be re-recorded in November, and would soon become the first of many number one hits for the Beatles. Well, that's it for this episode. Next time, we'll delve into the vaults of EMI Studios to listen to the Beatles record their first, and one of their most important albums. Until next time...